Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. And welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Jack. Joining me to look back on a week's events at Home Park are our usual suspects, Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hiya, gents. Morning. Hello, Stu. Hello, Jack. Hope all's well. Hope the listeners are well as well. Absolutely. Enjoying the, uh, enjoying the sunshine this weekend. Yeah, it wasn't as good as I thought, though, Stu. I looked at the forecast on Friday night and I thought, oh, this is going to be nice. And um, it wasn't bad, but... Uh, no, I think it's this week it's going to get quite hot, isn't it? So uh, I, be- I believe sort of Wednesday, Thursday, when we're all sat in our kitchens and dining rooms and things like that, it's going to be quite nice outside. Absolutely. So those on furlough will no doubt be enjoying the, uh, the weekly sunshine to come. Mm. Uh, anyway, guys, yeah. let's crack on. Ryan Lowe. Yeah. We'll start with chatting about Ryan Lowe. Um, there's a lot of speculation at the moment that um, he's top of Bolton Wanderers' wanted list. Can you see him going there? Well, I've, I've spoken to a, a few people and, and the answer I'm told is no, it's not, nothing's happening, it's not going to happen. Um, you know, it is interesting that he was the favourite for a couple of days with Skybet and he was down to evens. Now, Jack is probably better on the betting side of things than I am. What but you <laughs> I'm saying that Jack tends to spend more of his hard-earned money on, on betting than I do. And and I have to say to in Jack's fairness as well, he's not bad at it as well. He's not well enough to retire yet, but I think he's bought himself one or two things with his uh, with his prediction winnings. But um, if you get down to evens for, on a, a sky bet thing, somebody somebody was betting on Ryan Lowe to get the job. Now, is it that big a market in the first place? Are there that many people betting their money on the next Bolton Wanderers manager? Um, but it was interesting that. He was as low as evens. Um, we're recording this on Monday. He's gone out to nine to one. Um, that followed a conversation I had with Andrew Parkinson, the Argyle chief executive. Uh, I spoke to him on Friday afternoon, and he was Ryan Lowe is fully committed to Plymouth Argyle and looking forward to the start of next season. So he was pretty emphatic about it. Uh, Ryan Lowe's odds on Monday, like I say, went were nine to one. Ian Everett, the Barrow boss. And Sol Campbell, this chef, um, Southend United manager, are the clear favourites now. So it shifted a lot from Friday. Ryan Lowe is still in the betting market. Um, but all the indications that I've got from people that I've spoken to are that Ryan Lowe will be continuing the Argyle manager. And just one last thing to say on the subject from my perspective is that Argyle are having a, a virtual fans forum on Saturday. Uh, Simon Hallett and Andrew Parkinson and are being joined by Ryan Lowe. So, um, you know, he's taking part in that on Saturday. So, I, no, I, I'm told that there's nothing happening on that score. Yeah, Jack, I imagine you, you know, you don't want to see Ryan Lowe depart Plymouth just yet, do you? No, but it'd be almost, it would have been almost a surprise if he wasn't linked to the job. You know, it's back to, you know, where, where he sort of hails from, not far from Bury. I know there's some sort of a little bit of rivalry between 
between those two clubs. But, you know, your manager being linked to other clubs is a sign that you've been doing well. You know, I'd much rather that than no one be interested in your manager because it means you probably had a bad season. You know, Ryan Lowe's won two successive promotions with two different teams from League Two. Um, it would be almost bizarre if he wasn't linked to most jobs that are going somewhere in the list, you know, whether that's favourite or a bit further down. You know, he's done a fantastic job. He plays an attacking brand of football. So I wasn't surprised to see him linked. But yeah, of course. I don't want to see him go. I think what he's done here has been fantastic. We've spoken before about how toxic the atmosphere had become a bit towards the end of the season before he arrived. And him and Simon Haller and everyone has pulled together and sort of turned the fortunes around, not just in terms of getting Argo promoted again, but sort of bringing such a positive vibe back to the stadium. You know, before the whole coronavirus thing, you know, the club were in pretty good shape. I think they're still in okay shape now, thanks to Simon Haller. But, you know, they're obviously taking a bit of a hit because of that. You know, the grandstand was everything basically you could think about was going in the right direction. It would be a shame for that to be derailed. Um, but you know, if you're Ryan Lowe, and I know they've Bolton have got new owners now, but you've been at a club that has had turmoil off the field. He's currently at a club that's got someone like Simon Hallett in charge, who's ambitious. You know, Ryan Lowe's ambitious. You think you think the two will work quite well together, and it's a big thing to risk. I think moving up to, back up to Bolton. You know, when the club are going to be in League Two, you don't know what sort of budgets you're going to have. You don't know about wage caps, you know, you, you might be relying a lot on youth, the club's been on a downward spiral for a while. So undoubtedly they're a big club with a big stadium, but it'd be a big risk. So I, I'm, I'm, I hope to see him stay. I'm, if he didn't, then I'm sure Sam Hallett would try and find a man, manager that played in a similar style, but I'm confident he'd stay. And yeah, he's been fantastic for Argyle, so of course we want him to be here next season. Yeah, I mean, he's very much started something at Argyle, hasn't he? And, you know, I, I, you can understand why he left Bury last year and I guess, you know, the way things have, have panned out, it, you see that he had no option really but to leave Bury. But to, to leave Argyle now would just seem like a completely wrong move, just as he seems to be, you know, really building something and, and proving himself as a manager. That's the next step, I guess, for Ryan Lowe as well, is to prove himself in League One. And perhaps maybe it would be a different, if, if, if Bolton had just come down from the Championship, perhaps it would be a different story maybe. You yeah. know, just Bolton are a massive club. No one can deny that. In League Two, you know, they've got great potential. I was a bit, I felt a bit sorry for Keith Hill, to be honest. I mean, I, I think, you know, that job that he took on was always going to be a very tough job. To try and keep them up was going to be hard. And you almost felt like he deserved a chance to try and push them on, on an even keel next season. So I feel, I feel a bit sorry for him. But yeah, you're, 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 quite, you're quite right. Ryan Lowe has started something here. He's got a lot of backing. You know, he's sort of got everything at Argyle that he sort of didn't have at Berry, And I mean that with the most respect to Barry, you know, Berry as a club. But because of the chairman and the situation, the wages, you know, he's got everything that... You know, if you go through something like what he went through at Berry, you probably appreciate some things that maybe some of the managers don't, I would imagine. Absolutely. And you, you also have to wonder whether, you know, Bolton would be able to afford the um, any sort of compensation fee. Because I imagine Argyle would want, you know, a fair bit of fair bit of cash if they were to allow Ryan Lowe to leave now. Yeah, I don't think they've got that fast, Stu. Um, but yeah, it would be a substantial amount of compensation um, I mean, I, I've been around long enough to sort of think back to sort of like when Paul Sturrock got Argyle promoted from uh, what is now lead to all the way back at the start of this century. And Jack touched on it with his answer earlier on. But when you have a successful promotion winning manager, inevitably their name is going to get linked to jobs elsewhere. Mm. Um, and I think back to Paul Sturrock and he was linked with um, a number of jobs, Preston and, and Watford particularly, before he ultimately did go on and leave for Southampton. And if we just look at Derek Adams as well, you know, we, we did podcasts, uh, the three of us and, and other uh, uh, former colleagues of ours, where we talked about Derek Adams being linked with Aberdeen or Derek Adams being linked with this, that and the other. 
it is a side side effect of a successful manager. Um, if Ryan Lowe carries on doing well for Argyle, we will be talking about Ryan Lowe being linked with another club at some stage in the future. It is an inevitable part of football. It's that dog-eat-dog world. If you're doing well, another club will want your manager. And as Jack rightly says, there's two problems with football managers. There's either the problem where he's good and other people want your manager, or he's bad and nobody wants him and you're probably going to end up sacking him. And I know which one of those two scenarios I would rather have. Absolutely. Well, we had, a, we had a, um, a message sent in from Michael Day. He said it gets very worrying and annoying if the Ryan Lowe to Bolton is fake news. It's been denied by the Herald and Andrew Parkinson, which is obviously what you uh, referred to earlier, Chris. So where do these stories come from? Is it possible to stop them at their source? Unless, of course, there is some truth in it. I've got to say, first, before Chris probably gives a, more, a better answer than me, um, the, the, the term fake news annoys me. It's not fake news that he's being linked to the job. You know, he's one of the favourites with, with the bookies. That's not fake news. You know, whether or not he goes there, that's a different matter. You know, mm. every time a manager's a, a job becomes available, there's a long list of people that are linked to the job. Some because, you know, there's obvious, isn't there, whether, whether that's because of your past, your links that you've got, where you hail from. Um, and, and odds change. So it's not fake news to say he's been linked with the role. That is, that is, that is a fact. You know, he's been talked about. But you, there's, there's, there's a whole manner of reasons why he might be being linked, whether that's because of the betting, whether that's agents, whether it's just bolting people put, putting out names. You just, you just don't know, do you? No, absolutely. Come I mean, in the social media... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the social media world we live in, Stu, there's going to be rumours all the time, rumours about managers, rumours about players. You know, some rumours are going to be started by people who have inside knowledge. Some people, some rumours are going to be started by people who don't have any knowledge at all and they're just sort of flying kites and creating mischief. It's all, there's all manner of reasons why rumours start Chinese whispers. And that's one of the things that we have to do as reporters and journalists is try and not just respond to the first bit of tittle-tattle and speculation there is and try and find out if there's any credence to these rumours or not. It would be so easy for any journalist to sort of say, oh, I've seen on so-and-so that so-and-so's been linked with so-and-so, I'll just run that. But um, the, the thing is to try and check it out. Sometimes you can't check things out within five minutes of it being speculated on social media. But that's a, a job that we try and do. There's all sorts of people that want information or not information, want speculation out there. Some for good reasons, some for bad. And it's a case of sifting through it all and trying to come up with the, the end scenario, which appears to be that Ryan Lowe will be certainly carrying on as Argyle manager. Yeah. But also, if you're, sorry, just to say, if you're Bolton, why wouldn't you be looking at someone like Ryan Lowe? You know, Absolutely. It, he ticks every box. It would be almost yes. weird if they weren't at least looking at him. Whether it's yeah. got any further than that is a different matter, but you would at least yeah. be looking at these types of people. Yeah. Correct. And I, I think I'm right in saying as well, Chris, that the rumour, or the source of the rumour, seems to have come from Alan Nixon, the, the Sun journalist, who, yeah. if, I, if I remember rightly, was um, also speaking about Ryan Lowe to Argyle 12 months or just over 12 months ago. So this yeah. seems quite a reliable source. As we say, we don't think he's going to go to Bolton, but the link is, uh, almost seems pretty true. Bolton, uh, Bolton might have made a phone call to Argyle and said, you know, what's the, how's the land like? They might have done. We, I, I don't know that, but they might have done. And they might have been told, no, absolutely no way in a million years. Don't bother wasting our time. But again, that is all speculation. Yeah. Um, on the record... And, you know, what I've been told by more than one person is that Ryan Lowe is fully committed to Argyle and is planning for next season. And he will be on a virtual fans forum with the chairman on Saturday discussing next season. So, yeah, 
that's, I, I, that's I, I just can't see him taking another sort of backward step now and going back to League Two. As I say, I think for the benefit of his career now, he's got to stay with Argyle and, and try and keep them on in, in League One. Also, it's a weird thing he's fully committed to as well. I was going to say, it would be a weird scenario, I think, as well. If Bolton were to turn around and pay a hefty compensation fee and then not be able to have any money to spend on any players or get any... Do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a weird yeah. scenario, isn't it? So, And, you know, when, when Derek Adams arrived at Argyle, he wasn't even listed on the, on the short list. It could be someone that's not even been mentioned. You just, you just don't know, do you? No, absolutely. Well, Ryan Lowe's obviously been busy at Argyle in the last week or two offering uh, contracts to players. Gary Sawyer and Danny Mayer are the ones that have re-signed so far. No doubt you're pleased to see those guys sign up. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, Gary Sawyer is a very steady pair of hands. I think he he's a, from what I can gather, a good role model off the pitch as well as on the pitch. I think he's, I think actually he did all right as part of a centre back three. You know, I I wasn't quite convinced at the start of last season how big his role was going to be, um, especially after McFadden was signed. But it's quickly shown that he's going to play in the centre, um, the central three of defence. So I'm, I'm I'm glad he signed. He's done great for Argyle. It's always nice in modern day to see people still talking up those appearances in those all-time lists, isn't it? Because I don't think you're going to get that too much in the future. So that that's always nice as well. I do think that a little bit on a tangent. I do think defence will need a little bit more pace. That's my one concern. Um, but going back to what you, your question, Danny Mayer as well. You know, I'm I'm excited to see him. Next, well, hopefully see him in person next season, if not on on a TV screen, if we're not allowed in stadiums. But um, yeah, it, again, that's another sign that things are working in the right direction. You would have thought that these people would have been given assurances before they committed their future. You know, if Ryan Lowe had said to you know turn around to Danny and said, yeah, no, I'm going to be here for the next few years, and then left, you know, that wouldn't that wouldn't that wouldn't suit very well, would it? So it's another indication that things are going in the right direction. And you know, after losing Sarsavik, I think it's great that um that Danny Mayer signed on as well. Yeah, well, we'll come on to Sarsovic uh, later in the show. Chris, what are your thoughts on... Um, I read some interesting pieces from you. I saw the, the reaction from the Green Army. Every club needs a Gary Sawyer. Yeah, which, which struck me as a good line and uh, as a true true line as well, isn't it? That um, players come and go these days. That's modern football and that's, you know, what we've come to expect. But it is nice to have somebody who knows about the history of the club who knows um, that his teammates, the fans, the expectations, and can just literally be there as someone that we all need when we start a new job or something like that, and just somebody who can point you in the right direction and introduce you to people. Um, and Gary does that extremely well. I think he's a he's a really good ambassador for Argyle. He he could be the last of a dying breed. We've seen over, you know, the last ten years or so, the Paul Wattons and Luke McCormicks. Once we get past Gary Sawyer, there's there's not really anyone anywhere close to doing the sort of 300 plus appearances for Argyle. So I think Jack's right. This this could be, you know, the end of an era for Argyle. The last of those real long time, long serving players. So however long Gary Sawyer's got left at um, Argyle as a player, you know, we, we probably need to appreciate he's he's three games away from 300 appearances. So you know, all being well, he will pass that. Landmark that would put him in the top 26 all time appearance list, which you know, over a, the long history of Argyle shows where he ranks. Uh, I think coaching is definitely something that's you know in his mind and uh, is something that maybe we could see in the next year or two a transition from Gary Sawyer being a player to the coaching side. Now, where he'd exactly fit into the coaching structure at Argyle, I don't know, but um, that might be the, the next chapter of his career. But uh, if I know Gary as I do a little bit, because obviously I've you know covered Argyle for many years while he's been playing for them, um, 
he'll be determined to play as many games as possible next season. I know some people might suspect that he'll be a squad player and there to, to sort of be there in case of injuries and things. And I, I, I would agree completely with Jack about perhaps needing more pace in the defence. But, but Gary Sawyer will want to be playing every game next, next season. So don't just write him off as someone who's going to be making up the numbers. He will be very keen to play. And Danny, Danny Meyer obviously is a great signing. I, I wrote a piece last week. I think he will, he will be better in League One. He won't get so much physical attention from the opposition. And I think he will revel in that um, freedom he'll get and, um, you know, take confidence from that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play uh, for Argyle again next season as well. It'll be yeah. interesting as well to see how he, in, in League One, I think there's a bit less expectation on the team, isn't there? In League Two, Argyle are always expected to get promoted. That is always the aim from fans. Now, whilst it'd be great to see Argyle do well in League One next year, even if you're mid-table, there's not going to be that pressure that there is on the team if you're mid-table in League Two. So, under you know, we saw under Graham Carey, it looked at times like a lot of weight was being put on his shoulders, and you could see sometimes in his play that that would get to him. So, hopefully, in League One, there'll be a bit less pressure from everyone around, and that allow him to, to play his free-flowing game as well. Not just those two that sign new contracts, but three of the younger players as well: Ryan Law, Clardy Lolas, and uh, Adam Rundell. Chris, you've seen a lot of the under-23s and those lads in particular. What, what can you tell us about them and what do you see happening for those three players next season? Well, I'll tell you about two of them. One of them I can't really tell you too much about is Ryan Law because last season he, he spent nearly all of last season on loan at Truro. Now, he did play in some of the under-23 games as well, um, but a lot of his football last season was at Truro and he did very well by all accounts. Ryan Lowe's mentioned that a couple of times that um, he was he, he had good reports about Ryan Law. Now, he's the sort of player that has got the attributes, the energy, the drive to play that left wing-back role. Um, he's good at going forward um, and getting crosses into the box. He, he to me, fits the, the identicate of what Ryan Lowe wants from his wing-backs. And Jarvis Cleal, who's one of the potential new professionals, he hasn't agreed or signed his deal yet, but I'm sure he will, is the similar one on the right side as well. So Ryan Law and Jarvis Cleal are two sort of players that fit the image, uh, young players that Ryan Lowe wants for wingbacks. Now, that's not to say they're obviously going to start next season, but they are definitely going to get the chance to prove they're good enough to play in those wingback positions. Uh, Adam Randall... If you recall, at the start of last pre-season, when Argyle played their first game against Truro, Adam Randall was actually the captain that yeah. uh, which is a very... Your, your rookie professional leads the time, team out. That was an indication that Ryan Lowe thought a lot of him and was impressed with what had gone on, and it was a confidence booster for him. Adam Randall went on to make three starts, six subs. He didn't play that much, but he was always in the match day squad. He was on the bench for virtually every game. Ryan Lowe rates him. He's going to be the player that can sit in the midfield holding role and uh, spray the ball around from there. So, again, will he start next season in the starting lineup? We don't know. Well, probably not. But he is definitely pushing hard for that midfield holding role. And Clardy Lollis is a striker who, if Argyle can make him click, I think he could be really good. I think he has definitely got the attributes you need. He's strong. He's powerful. He can hold the ball up. He knows where the back of the net is. He's done that in the under-23 levels. He scored quite a few goals when he was on loan at Dorchester last season. Um, I think the manager has mentioned that you know it could be the last chance soon saloon for him. I think you know he wants that commitment from him all the time. But I think 
Cardi Lollis has got all the attributes you're looking for for um for someone to to uh, to be a really promising young striker, maybe following the footsteps of uh, Luke Jeffcott. Yeah, I was just going to say that Luke Jeffcott's a great example for anyone like Ryan Law that's coming back from Truro, that if you make the most of your chances, whether that be in pre-season, in the first few games or a cup game, you know, if you if you take your chance, you will get a chance in the first team. And that must be a great, not only a, a tool for the manager to be able to use to try and inspire players, but it, the fact that you're actually seeing that happen, it, it must give any of the youngsters a, a belief that um, you, you can get your chance. And I think perhaps under some of the managers in the past, You've, there's not always been that thought process where, oh, if we do well, we can get into this team. But I think that's been made clear by Ryan Lowe, which must be great motivation for anyone that's, you know, of that age where they're trying to push into that, that sort of mind, mindset. Yeah. With Adam Randell then, uh, Chris, is there perhaps an argument that he needs to go out and maybe have a season on loan somewhere for, you know, get a full season of football under his belt? Because as well as he did in, in terms of progression last season, as you say, he didn't play that many games. So perhaps what he needs now is a season of first-team football before he comes back to Argyle as a more sort of hardened professional footballer. Yeah, that, the, there is a case to that, Stu, no, no doubt. I mean, Ryan, Lowe, uh, Ryan Law at Truro, Clardy Lollis at, at Dorchester had that last season. And Adam Randall, because he was in the matchday squad of 18, didn't go out on loan, but obviously didn't play as many games as the other two did. So there is the argument to so say he stays at Argyle next season and again, he's on the bench for most games. Now, how many games is he really going to get? Yeah. Um, which, again, is why those Premier League Cup games at Argyle play are really quite important because you're playing against Everton and Watford and Fulham and Bristol City and Derby. And those are games where you can get a good gauge of how players are, are progressing. Obviously, you can't beat playing first-team football. And, you know, there is an argument that if, if Adam Randall's not in the 18 or just only ever going to be, you know, on the subs bench, why not loan him out? The thing that is difficult to predict at the moment is next season that the Argyle squad and all squads might be quite a bit smaller than they've been in the past. Yeah. And you might only be working with a squad of, say, 20, 22, including young professionals. And can you really afford to let people go out on loan when potentially you might be playing quite a lot of games in a fairly... You might be a lot of Saturday, Tuesdays next season to catch up because they're not going to start at the start of August, if yeah. you see what I mean. So, um, um yeah, there is a case, definitely a case for him to go out on loan, but he, he's improving. He's he's going to be knocking on the door for a first team place, and if he got into the team, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he if he kept his place in the team. It's a tough he's situation as well because if you look if you look back in the past, you have the likes of you know Tyler Harvey, don't you, Lewis Rooney, who were always on the bench, never really got much game time, and you sort of saw their careers falling away. And so yeah. I know they picked they picked it up a bit at a lower level. But it's such a, it must be such a hard position to be in when you're just on the verge of it but not getting game time because you know who who makes that call? If you're a player, you really want to be pushing that chance. And if you go out on loan just say and get injured, you might never get that chance chance again. So it's I don't envy anyone that has to try and make that decision of what's best for their career. I, I think you made a good point earlier on Jack and when you spoke about the expectation, our Garland League Tour are expected to get promoted. And I think the club, they almost demand to get promoted as well of the players and the manager because they are too big to be in League Two. In League One, perhaps there is a little less pressure and there is going to be more of an opportunity for the likes of Adam Rendell, Claudio Lolos and, and Ryan Law to, to play more games. As long as you're not struggling, I think. I think the only time the pressure will come is if you're stuck near the bottom four. I think there yeah. obviously will be pressure then because, as you say... Need results. You know, Argyle shouldn't be in League Two, and I think every time the Argyle fans expect more. So if you're if you're flirting with that again, that wouldn't be ideal. But you know, 
it's, it's there could be such a good chance next season for some of these young players to get a, to get a, to get some game time. And I, I think the the fact that Ryan Lowe has shown his faith in that before is is great for the youngsters. And I really do hope they get a chance because we know there's been struggles in the past. There's been a lot been done off the field to try and adjust that. So, and you know, if they can't replace some of these players they've lost, <clears throat> you know, George Cooper, one of them, and you mentioned Ryan, uh, you mentioned Ryan Law could play there. You know, you've you, you Tyreek Backinson, you know, you've. You've, you've got Randall. So players that Argyle have lost are where these players are, are fitting in. So maybe they'll need to be used next season. Yeah. And uh, with low loss, as you say, Chris, last chance saloon for him, Ryan Lowe said. So um, a, a really big season in store for the, the young striker. Yeah. Like I say, I, I, I think he's got all the attributes you're looking for. Um, he's just got to knuckle down, get the, the whole package. And it's, it, it's not always easy. And sometimes it takes uh, young players longer than others to sort of for the penny to drop and to realise the whole part of being a professional football player. It's not just what you do on the pitch. It's your attitude. It's the way you prepare for games. It's the way you train. It's your commitment that you show. It's the whole package. That's what, you know, gets you success. But, you know, he, he can score goals. There's, there's no doubt about it at all. He's big and strong and powerful. So I would, I would have high, high hopes for him. And, you know, we're talking about the young players and it's something we can touch on in podcasts in the future. But, you know, you met, you think of the, the names that we're just talking about now. You add in Michael Cooper, who I think has got every chance of being the first choice keeper next season. Mm. And then uh, Luke Jeffcott, assuming he re-signs. Um, if you've got the likes of Cooper, Jeffcott, Law, Randall, Lollis, you've got the young lads who've signed new professional contracts, um, Ollie Tomlinson and Ruben Wilson. There's quite a crop all of a sudden, of Argyle young players that are potentially going to be in a squad of about 2022. So, you know, we should see quite a few academy prospects being involved in a match day squad in one way, shape, or form next season, which is which is quite exciting. Fans like, like to see that. And it's it's great it's great for Lolos as well. You know, that the fact that he's got Ryan Lowe as a manager. Ryan Lowe's been there, done it. He knows what it takes to be a striker as well. You know, he's got all the inspiration he could possibly need in his manager. So. You know, you'd hope that Ryan Lowe, if there's something there to be got out of uh, Lolos, you would hope that Ryan Lowe would be the, man, the ideal man to do that. Yeah, indeed. Right, Jack, you're going to take us into the halftime break with your teaser? I think I made it a little bit harder this. I've put no dates in this time. I'm, try- I'm trying to make it a little bit tougher. Have um, I got an age to work with then, Jack? No, no age this time. Oh, no. Okay. I might give it away to you. Let's see how you get on. Yeah, that's it. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll st- I've got one, two, three... Got five clues before the break. They're a little tougher, and then I've got three or four clues after the break. If you don't have it to make it a little bit easier, I think I've, I've sort of rejigged it a little, little bit. Okay. So clue number one: He made over three hundred appearances for the club he made his debut for before signing for the Pilgrims for a fairly sizable transfer fee. I'm, I'm looking at Chris. I, for people that are listening, I can, we're on a Zoom call, so I can see Chris's face. I, I was just going to work out if you've already got it. If you've got it after one clue, uh, well, well, no, I that's my guess. Can you see my guess? Can see your guess. I'm not going to tell you if you're right or wrong just yet. Okay. I've, I've made a guess as well. Let me have a look at yours. Have you written it down? Camera, yeah. And if you can. Oh yeah. Okay. I've seen two guesses. So hopefully you're still playing along at home. Clue number two. The Green Army had to be patient to see the new signing play as he suffered an injury in pre-season and didn't play his first game for the club until October. Oh, that's a good one. Clue number three. His debut came in a 2-0 win over Wigan at Home Park, a game he scored in. 
I'm seeing think more thinking faces than usual. So yeah, I, this is this is good, Jack. I'm liking this. Maybe this format's a bit I'm not better. liking. I don't know the answer, but I'm liking it. Yeah. He scored 13 goals in his first season and went on to score 22 in his second season, 16 of which came before Christmas. I'm going to stick with my initial guess, I think, Jack. The last, this is the last clue before the break and then the few clues after the break make it a little bit easier. In total, he made 120 appearances for Argyle, scoring 39 goals. Hmm. So there's all the clues, the pre-break clues. Okay, you, good. Either of you got any other names or are you sticking I've with what you've got? One other name. Do you want to hold it up quickly? Uh, where am I? Okay, Chris, have you got any more names? Um, no. Okay, well, well, we'll go to the break and then we'll come back with a few more clues. Oh, hang on, hang on. Oh, oh a, late, a late idea from Chris. Hang on, I'm going to write, write this down. Okay, so we'll come back after the break and let's see if you're both right. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Um, come on then, Jack, put us out of our misery. Okay, so do you want to, you want to tell everyone who you, so, Stu, who you're going for? Yeah, well, I, I, my initial guess was Kevin Nugent. And then with the last question, uh, the last clue you gave, I thought Paul Dalton. But I think I'll, uh, no, I'll go with Paul Dalton. Chris? Well, the first clue I went for Carl Fletcher. And then I was stuck. And then after your last clue, I went for Steve Castle. Okay, so I'll uh, continue with the next few clues and let's see if you're right. Next clue, this might give it away, is perhaps best known for scoring a six-minute hat-trick in a 3-2 win over Stockport in December 1993. He left the Pilgrims in 1995 for a fee of £275,000. He is currently manager of Royston Town according to Wikipedia, where he has been since December 2013. And a clue taking it all the way back to the start, because I didn't know this would give it away. He signed for Argyle for a fee of £225,000. And the correct answer is Steve Castle. Oh, well done, Chris. <laughs> I thought it was one of Shilton's big buys. It was just a question of which one. You, you were in the right regions, Stu. Yeah, Nathan and Dalton. <laughs> you were different. <laughs> Yeah. I think that format works a bit better than no dates. No dates makes it a little bit tougher. So I think we'll stick with that from now on. Yeah, yeah no dates definitely makes it tougher. It was the 22 goals. It's Because uh, let's face it, Jack, as, as an Argyle fan, you'll know this. Argyle players don't get 22 goals in a season very often. So that, that narrows it down quite a bit. According to his, you know, what I was reading about, he also, he also suffered with jaundice as well and was out, injured, out for five months with that. So I, I don't know all the ins and outs of this, but... Uh, I'm sure he is at Royston Town because weren't they auctioning a shirt of his, an Argyle shirt of his to raise money for, for club funds? Well, I went on their I website think... and it, he was listed, so I did, I did double check yeah. it. But you know, um, I'm, Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty sure he is there. So yeah, Steve Castle, yeah. A real goal-scoring midfielder. That's yeah. 39 goals in 120 games. That's an impressive return, isn't it? Yeah, one in three. I wouldn't mind having a midfielder like that next season. Yeah. <laughs> right, Good work, Jack. Yeah. Good yeah, work, Jack. So before the uh, before Jack's teaser, we spoke about players that had signed for Argyle. Um, as yet, there's still several players that haven't signed a new contract. Uh, we're several days past the deadline now. Should there be any cause for concern, or do you think it's just part of the um, part of the waiting game, so to speak? Really, Chris? Um, yeah, I mean, when we saw the manager uh, week 
Wednesday before last, he, he talked about a seven-day deadline. Although he did say that, you know, he wasn't going to, you know, argue about an extra day or two or things like that. Um, so we've not heard anything on five players. Uh, Niall Canavan, Scott Wooten, Luke Jeffcott, um, Connor Grant, and one other, Stu, can you remind me who that was? I can't. I should have written them down. I didn't. So, uh, so there was the five players, Jeffcott, Connor Grant, Callum McFadzin, Niall Canavan, and Scott Wooten. Um, so we've not heard what, what's happening with those. Now, they might not be signing. Um, they might have signed and the club haven't announced it. They might have agreed to sign, but they're in different parts of the country. So, you know, haven't got around to doing things and haven't been able to get to home park to do, you know, the, the, the signing interview and the signing pictures and things. There could be several reasons why they've not been announced. They might already have agreed. Um, so I think it's, it's a wait and see. I have asked Argyle if there's any news on signings and uh, at the moment there hasn't been, but that could change. Normally when we do these podcasts, Stu, that we uh, finish recording and about half an hour later, there's a story. Something happens, doesn't it? So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if, if that scenario happened to, happen today but um i wouldn't be too concerned there's an awful lot going in on on in the world at the moment isn't there that uh, makes everyday life a bit tricky and it could be something along those although along those lines alternatively it might be that you know the, the players are looking for a, for other deals and seeing what, what else is out there I, I don't know um i have no real sort of more inside info on that but what i, I suppose what i'm saying is that just because they've they haven't resigned within those seven days that Ryan Lowe was talking about, I wouldn't automatically assume that they're not going to sign now. Mm. Yeah, I totally agree. Jack, what are your thoughts on the um, contract situation? Well, I'd be surprised if the likes of Jeff Cott didn't sign a new deal. I think, you know, is his hometown club. He said how much he wanted to score at home park in front of the fans. You know, you never know what's being offered in front of Alternatively, you know, quite a big deal was made of him. It wasn't there last season. And if you're maybe a a League One club looking for a striker and you're not going to have any transfer fee next year. Maybe he's someone you'd approach. Who knows? You know, you just don't really know. The one thing that I think is a bit different this year, apart from the obvious, is the fact that maybe some players, you know, I think maybe the ones that are from up north particularly, maybe the whole coronavirus thing makes people want to be closer to family. You know, it's things like that can sometimes make you readjust what your priorities in life, can't it? You know, especially if you've got young children, you know, you've, you've lived, gone through a pandemic in the last few months where over 40,000 people have lost their lives. If you can get a club a bit nearer home, maybe that's made that more important in some people's minds, you know, whereas before they thought, you know, a few years away from them, I, I can do it, we can see them at weekends. You just don't know what goes on in people's heads and they've got every right to feel like that. You know, family's important and maybe it's taken something like this for some people to realise actually it's family's more important. And so maybe that's a part to play, which sometimes wouldn't be such a big deal, even though we know it has played a role in the past. Yeah, and one player, of course, that hasn't signed and has left Argyle and stated that very case that, you know, wanted to move back up uh, back up north is Anthony Sarsovic, of course. And that's no doubt going to be disappointing for Argyle fans, but I imagine many will understand his reasonings why. It's a good point Jack's just made about family. I think we, we all appreciate family more perhaps now than we did before um, the coronavirus and the importance of seeing family and spending time with family. And and professional footballers, as much as they're, they're our heroes when they play for our teams, you know, they are human beings. And certainly when you're looking at League One and League Two players, they're, they're human beings just like us. You know, they, they, you know they're, they're no different to, to us and, and they want to see their families. And, you know, 
that four of the five players that we've just talked about are based in the north. You know, so you know they they might you know think oh, I'd like to be closer to, to to the family and my friends. So Anthony Sarsavik fits into that bill. You know, is it disappointing to see him leave? Yes, of course it is. But can you understand it? Absolutely. He's got a young family. You know, his family and friends are, are in the northwest. I I know he's loved it in Plymouth. Um, he's been part of two promotion-winning squads. It's not that many people that have done that at Argyle over the years. And um, if he wants to move back to the Northwest, I, I don't blame him in the slightest. I wish him well. And um, yeah, sad to see him go. But you can uh, you can under, understand the circumstances. And uh, you know, Ryan Lowe and uh, Jack touches on this a lot in the podcast. But Ryan Lowe's track record is, is, is for signings is good. So. Who's to say that he can't go out and get somebody that can more than fill uh, Anthony Sarsavik's boots? You know, time will tell. But I've got faith that he's made some good signings as Argyle manager. I, I don't see why he can't go and make some more good signings to replace anybody that leaves this summer. It's important to remember as well that this time last year, a lot of us were thinking that Sarsavik wouldn't be fitting in the Ryan Lowe team particularly well. You know, the season before that, he wasn't particularly attacking. He could have done a lot better than what he did. Mm-hmm. But Ryan Lowe, whether that's because of Ryan Lowe or because of Sarsavik's desire to put things right, he had an outstanding season and really proved his worth. You know, he was at such a threat going forward. Everything that he almost wasn't the season before that, you know, he didn't suffer from injuries as much this year. And if Ryan Lowe can do that and have that impact on someone like Sarsavik, then why can't he do it for someone else? That's... As a fan, with my fan hat on, that's the sort of mindset that I'm thinking, you know, that he's, as Chris said, he's gone out and got good players before and he's got a history of making some players that weren't particularly good the year before better, you know. I know it was a, a league lower, but Wooten and Canavan played in a played in a style that they probably had never played in before and, and, and got better as the season went on, you know. it's I'm optimistic, regardless of the circumstance. And, you know, as an Argyle fan, you sort of get used to players leaving as well, you know. It's, it just becomes part and parcel. And the fact that there's a manager in now that's, got a history of signing good attacking players and, and got good contact with that bit of Liverpool, with Rangers, you know, you, it just, it just as a fan, it just fills you a bit more confidence than someone that perhaps doesn't seem to always have those contacts or able to get players from good teams. Yeah, I always think a footballer, what, what they should do in whatever club they play for, they should try and leave their mark on that club, whether it be an incredible goal that will be remembered forever or a particular game, something like that, even promotion, you know, some sort of success. I'm sure there are many moments that you can think of with Anthony Sarsovich, but I think we should talk about off the field as well. You know, we saw the, um, the shirt campaign that he did, the autographed shirts for the uh, NHS. You know, he, he's been more than just a footballer to Argyle, hasn't he? he? He didn't have to do that, Stu. No, no one forced him to do it. No one expected him to do it. You know, he did that off his own back. And um, there was also the, the, the little story that popped up where he was he knocked around at a neighbours and offered to do the, the supermarket shopping early on in the, uh, the pandemic. You know, he's more than played his part in the, in the community of, of Plymouth. He's left his mark, player of the year, two promotions, good all-round guy. The Manchester Messiers, he was dubbed. Yeah, it, it's sad he's gone, but that's what happens. You know, I think it's now four player, player in the years now that have gone immediately after the one player of the year, Sonny Bradley, Graham Carey, Ruben Ramirez, and now Anthony Sarsavik. So, you know, whoever wins player of the year next season will be probably speculating about them moving on again uh, next summer. But again, it's, it goes back a little bit to, you know, if you've got a successful manager, if you've got good players, other clubs are going to want them. And um, I'm not going to argue with somebody wanting to move back back home to be with their family and friends. I, I, I get that. It's disappointing as a fan when that happens. But 
that's where if you can get your academy working and you've got local players who are bought into the club and bought into the area you've got more chance of keeping them for longer than signing players from the north of england who are very good players and very good characters and are great to have around but after two or three years they decide they like to move back to the north so that's an example of why if you could get the academy really flourishing that might be uh, an extra spin-off from having a successful academy. You keep your players for longer because they come from here rather than coming from London or the Midlands or the Northwest. And it's always tough as well. I just, it's one other thing to mention here. Chris mentioned the fact that the last four players of the years have all left and all left for free as well. But it's a really hard when you're in League Two, a League One sort of level, isn't it? Because what you either, you either sell them and then the club are criticised for making money off their players and selling their best players and lacking ambition... It's, or they end up going on free a lot of the time. It's, it's a really difficult situation to be in because you can't, you know, how many clubs at this level offer free, free or four-year deals? It just doesn't happen, does it? No. So it's, it's really tough. It is galling a bit to see these players leaving for free and going on to have some good careers. You know, Sonny Bradley's done well at Luton uh, and Ruben Lemiris. I mean, I've not looked at the Portuguese table at the moment, but they were top of the Premier League for God knows how long. So, I'd, you know, it's, it's a bit galling, but that's... The clubs sometimes can't win at this level, can they? That, that's that's the point I'm making. That's the that's the downfall of lower league football, I suppose. Finally, then, guys, we've seen the return to uh, or the return of football, live football, certainly not at Argyle at the moment, of course, but um, in the Premier League and League Two playoffs. What have you made of the return of football? Have you enjoyed watching any games so far? I so in the, in the last podcast, you two spoke about crowd noises. I think you both watched some football from elsewhere in Europe, and I hadn't watched any yeah. of that. Um, so what, I, I paid for my subscription. Sorry, say, it's done differently in England though, because it's actually the TV companies that are dubbing the crowd noise on. Whereas in the Bundesliga, some of the some of the clubs are actually playing the the crowd noise through the loudspeakers. Oh, really? Yeah. So it is <clears throat> it is different, I think. Well, I wasn't a massive fan of that idea at first, but then when I watched it, the the, the Man City game, I think it was. I almost forgot that there was no one in the crowd because you're so focused on the players. You're, it's almost like a, a, a psychological thing, isn't it? And because I heard the crowd, I just kept forgetting that there was no one there and it felt like a normal game. Then you then you flipped to the League Two playoffs, which I watched as well. And I care more about the League Two playoffs. I, I prefer League Two football. But I prefer League One football. You know, I'm not a massive... I've sort of lost my love for the Premier League over the last few years. But because they had no sound, it did just feel like a training game. It, the difference was so vast and I didn't imagine it would be beforehand so that was very interesting I'm glad to have it back but I, I'm not, I haven't watched much Premier League football since the Man City game to be honest and by all accounts the Liverpool-Everton game was a bit of an anti-climax everyone's saying so uh, I don't think I missed much out there I'm sure Chris enjoyed the uh, Bournemouth-Crystal Palace game on Saturday evening though I like Gary Lineker's line at the end that it was the best Premier League game ever <laughs> and then he added shown live on BBC One <laughs> but I did quite enjoy it, I must admit. So um, uh, that was a that was a good day, Stu. Um, just if you can, Jack, can just talk a moment because we are recording this live, as they say, and I've just got to go to the front door. So you're going to have to bear with me for a few few seconds. Okay, no problem. I was just going to say the other thing that was is interesting is the number of subs that are being used and the, the water breaks as well. I, I'm not really sure what the water breaks are all about. Is that just because they've not trained for very long? And yeah, it seems weird to me. Well, I, can um, I can understand a water break in the second half when you're sort of 75 minutes into a game the players have been running around for so long. But 20 minutes into a game, do we really need a water break? I'm not quite sure that we do, personally. I'm, I, all I can say is after watching the um, League Two players, I'm just glad Argyle aren't involved. You know, it's, I, I do feel for the teams, really, because it's, it's a lottery at the best of times. But 
this year, you know, you, you saw in the, um, the extra game that there's, there's hardly any shots on target, but how can you expect it to be of massive quality when they've not played for very long? You know, it's, I, I, anyone that loses the playoffs this year, I've, I think I feel extra sorry for them because how can you prepare for that? You know, you, you're having all this testing, things are different, there's no crowd. It's, it's, it's tough. I, anyone that doesn't make it this year, especially, you know, if they have a bad start to next season, you just think, oh, if only that hadn't happened, it's, it's tough. And I'm glad Argyle aren't involved. Yeah. Just one point I'd make is that professional football players, and we, we all know this, rely on routine. Professional, they like to know what time they're doing something, where they're doing it, and it's all structured and laid down for them. And you get performances out of players when they know exactly what's going on. And this is just thrown everything up in the air. You know, you looked at Liverpool yesterday, they weren't even changing in the dressing rooms. So they, were, they were changing out in the car park or something. It's just, it throws everything out. It's great to see football back. I'm enjoying seeing it. I've seen some decent games, um, but but it is so different. And, you know, pre-season, normally you have like six weeks of pre-season and you have, you know, seven or eight games and before you get thrown into the serious stuff. And here we are now watching teams that have trained for two or three weeks and might have only played one game. Yeah. Um, I've, I've not watched loads of games, but I remember watching the Arsenal game and how many enforced injuries, enforced changes they had to make because of season-ending injuries already. I don't know how... I don't know if Arsenal have just been unlucky or whether that's been quite common in quite a few Maybe a little bit, un a little bit unlucky. There's, there's bound to be a few tweaks and strains and, and managers have got to be very careful of not overusing people with, with all the games coming up. I just thought a few of the games, I thought Norwich and Southampton, uh, which Southampton won easily, Palace beating Bournemouth and even Man United against Spurs. I thought the difference in fitness between some of the teams was absolutely stark. You know, some teams look completely undercooked. And yet I thought others looked, you know, really up to speed. And uh, that was what, that's one observation I'd make. And again, in the League Two playoffs, Cheltenham looked to me miles better than the other three teams. They just looked so much sharper and fitter and, um, and everything about it. Now, that was just one game, so it could, it could change over time. But um, yeah, I agree with you, Jack. Uh, it's, the playoffs is, is a lottery at the best of times, but this is an absolute, you know... Who, who, who knows who could possibly win these playoffs? It's so difficult to predict. I think, you, know, I don't seen, I don't you make a good point there, Chris, about uh, who looks sharp yeah. at the moment. Because uh, for me, the teams that have looked the sharpest are those teams that have managed to squeeze in a, a friendly or two before yeah. the action has, has got underway again. And Cheltenham played Cardiff, I think, last week in the build-up to the League 2 playoffs. And it was no surprise to me that they looked as sharp as they did. Yeah, they, they look really good. And yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the difference. I, I don't know who's played what pre-season game or pre-warm-up games or what have you. But um, I just think it. normally you look at teams and, and their fitness levels are all going to be roughly the same, aren't they? It's not that often you look at a team and you think, crikey, they're nowhere near the pace. Yeah. Um, but, but a few do look like that at the moment. And then when you throw in the all the sort of changes to the routines that they're having to do as well. And, you know, I'm a big believer that players like to have routine and structure. And if you've taken that away from them and they haven't got proper fitness in, it's, it's no surprise that, um, you know, their, their perhaps performance levels aren't as high. But yeah. personally, I'm, it's great to see football back. I, mean, I know it's not the same. It's not the same without the fans. But at least it's some football. It's better than nothing and, you know, I'll take this than, than no football at all. Yeah, no, it looks as though we are at least going to get some leagues finished 
for some of the you yeah. know 1919 season finish, which is. Is uh, there any is there any discussion on the League One playoffs yet? What's going? On? I've, yeah, they're starting July. Start yeah. July. Yeah. And they're when's the League Two playoff final? Next Monday. Next Monday. See, that's the thing. It's just it's just so quick pace, isn't it? It turns around so quickly. And I, the other thing I feel a bit sorry for you. You mentioned there about you know some teams have organised friendlies, but you know. Maybe geographical location plays a part in that. You know, mm. Cheltenham are quite close to quite a few places. Exeter are a bit further away. And, you know, if Argyle were in the playoffs, you know, especially two weeks ago, how easy is it to travel to places? How people travel to you? You know, it's, it's almost like these, these factors that have never had to be thought about before could determine people's fate, which is, you know, you know how fickle football can be. You know, I'm, more and so in League One, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, someone lost in the playoffs and it, over no fault of their own, really, and was sacked at the start of next season. You know, that's that's the reality, isn't it? Absolutely. Right. Well, chaps, thanks ever so much for your time. Thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. That's all we have time for. And thanks to you out there for listening. We'll be back with more of the same next week. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.